Have you achieved success along your career path? How about enhancing the life of others by being a role model? Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett, and I am joined, as always, by the guy who I promised not to call the Barbados Flash, but I have a very good reason for calling him that today. Uh, His name is Dave Cumberbatch, and Dave, my reference was to the hurricane that uh, just left your uh, place of birth. Yeah, that's really sad. The whole whole weather, weather patterns seem to have changed significantly. I remember as a young boy growing up there, um, it would get warm around midday, and then the temperature would cool down. Now, midnight, you're sweating. <laughs> it gets extremely warm now. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I hate to be the harbinger of bad news, but hurricanes are put on Earth for one reason and one reason only, to cool the planet down. The planet is hot. I mean, it's 100. I'm looking, I have the Weather Channel on in the background. It's 107 here in Vegas right now. It was actually warmer in Seattle and in Vancouver, Canada yesterday than it was here in Las Vegas. Wow. I wonder what it's like in Death Valley now where you are. You're not too far from Death Valley. I mean, we're basically an hour's drive from Death Valley. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but last year it got to 134 degrees in Death Valley. That's crazy. The hottest temperature ever recorded on Earth, which it already had the record in the first place, but it obliterated that previous record by six degrees. And, you know, I know Seattle was 107 a couple of days ago. Vancouver was 112. Uh, I mean, this is crazy. And we don't get hurricanes on the West Coast. Um, you know, so that that's, a, you know, that's a, a something we don't need to deal with. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it's bad. Where do you fry your eggs? On the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, on the car, man. On the car. Anyway, we are recording this on the 4th of July weekend. Actually, this is what? Friday, July 2nd. And uh, I'm in Las Vegas, as most of you know. This place is packed. Uh, I don't know how many planes are in and out of McCarran, but I, uh, my girlfriend told me that the air traffic was up like 168% over this time last year. It is This place is busy. You know what it is? Um, I think because of the, the the vaccine and restrictions being lifted and you combine that with the fact that folks have all this pent-up energy. You, you haven't, well, I should say pent-up frustration from not traveling for so long. Folks just want to get out there and have some fun. Well, yeah, they're, they're doing that here. It's funny. I was watching Good Morning America this morning and they were on the top of Pikes Peak. Wow. I, you know, I used to live in Colorado Springs, so being on the top of Pikes Peak was like second nature to us. But when you're up at 14,000 feet, uh, the temperature difference between that and the Colorado Springs, which is 6,000 feet, is like 45, 50 degrees. Yeah. So he's all nice and cool. He's got you know warm weather clothing on, and I'm sitting here sweating. Eh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm so jealous. But the, the, the scenery of Colorado in general is beautiful. Um, what most people don't know about Colorado is the Rocky Mountains kind of split the state in half. The mm-hmm. eastern half of Colorado looks just like Kansas. The western half of Colorado, which is where the foothills to the Rockies are, which is where Pikes Peak is, which is where Denver sits, that area going westward, gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. I've known you for a very long time, and I'm still trying to figure out if there's any place on Earth that you don't know that you haven't been. <laughs> just, just Antarctica. <laughs> just Antarctica, which you know is on my bucket list, by the way. So anyway, let's get this party started here. And before we do uh, our housekeeping notes, the TripCast 360 podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, you name it, we're there. But the absolute best place to get it, if you forget any of that, is to just go to our website, TripCast360.com. And uh, you'll also find some editorial, which we are beginning to expand as a a platform. We are involved in both travel tourism and entertainment. Um, So we are actually going to start uh, expanding our entertainment offerings and things like that, uh, starting with our guest today, by the way. Um, 
So that will be interesting. And we're also building out our store. Again, I, I know I've said this in previous podcasts, it is a laborious process, but we're getting there. And uh, so uh, bear with us, it's coming and uh, we'll have travel deals and things like that. Uh, and then of course, as we start to branch into the entertainment space, we'll have a lot of entertainment related uh, content and uh, uh, property and merchandise as well. Uh, Dave, hit them with uh, our social media handles and all the other places they can find us. Yes, we are on social media. Michael said we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And follow us, tag us, message us, and come to our website. That's where you get all those fantastic deals that Michael just articulated to you in such great fashion as he always does. Oh boy, I got a compliment out of you. Now I'm really sweating. Anyway, let's get on with our guest who has been patiently listening to our crazy banter back and forth. Our guest is Katie Chinakas. She arguably has one of the most eclectic career trajectories of anyone who has ever appeared on this podcast. She is an accomplished actress having appeared in such TV series as CSI and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. She's appeared in films with Hollywood heavyweights such as Nicolas Cage, Morgan Freeman, Antonio Banderas, and Jessica Simpson, and that's just to name a few. She's also a model, a published author, a poet, a singer-songwriter who has actually opened for 50 Cent, and she also has her own podcast entitled She's All Over the Place, which kind of describes what today's show is going to be. We're going to be all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, welcome to TripCast360. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much. Laugh, your laugh is contagious. <laughs> well, Katie, you're all over the place. Like Michael just said, how, how do you do it all? How do you do that? Oh, it's a kind of um, as a visual aspect. Think of it as like a stove, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll take the stove analogy first. Um, or you could do applied canvases, but um, I'll, I'll do a stove first. So um, you have you have um, you know four pots, and maybe you're making a soup, and you have to boil the water. And so while that's boiling, maybe you have another one, and maybe you're adding the spices, and then it has to simmer, and it's in the back simmering cold. So uh, you kind of rotate it all. You kind of nourish it, right? It's kind of yeah. or it's kind of like um. When I use canvases, I do like well, three to five paintings at one time and um, I use acrylic. It dries fast. So um, while something's dry, drying, I do three dimensional art. And so while something's drying, I'll rotate. And if there's extra paint left over, I do not like to waste an ounce, like nothing. I have to get every last thing out of the, the tube. I don't like to waste yeah. anything. So I, I apply it onto the canvas. And I make it and it's sacred and I, I like using my hands and I make it work. Um, so I guess those could be really good analogies. The last one I guess I could give you is a garden. And I have this beautiful garden that I tend to and I sow seeds. I put the soil, I sow seeds and I and I, I nourish and I water them. I nourish and I water them. And maybe like every three months I'll do a rake. I'll do a rake and I'll rake out all the duds <laughs> and I'll get rid of them, right? The bad seeds, the duds. And then I'll sow new, I'll put new soil, I'll uh, plant, I'll sow new seeds, and then I nourish and I nourish. And I have the foresight with my cross-country background of short-term, medium-term, long-term goals that I, um, you know, I have the foresight to like check in. Even like a lot of people, they'll call you like when they need something, but I'll just be like, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing? Or I'll send them an emoji now. Those are really popular. And um, I was thinking about you. You're in my heart. I love you. How are you? And I'll just roll, I'll just like, sometimes I'll just text like 15 different people. I'll be like, I love you. I appreciate you're in my life. I was thinking about you. So I always put the energy out there, positivity, a ripple effect. And as a full circle, it comes back around. What we put out is what, you know, we we get back. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about Katie? What sparked you into acting? Uh, What sparked you into the entertainment industry, et cetera? Was Was there an actor? Was there an entertainer? Was there a fashion designer? Mm-hmm. That sparked that that sparked your interest that led you to the path that 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 you're at right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I was little, I remember with my family, we would always watch the award shows. We'd always watch the award shows. I was so young, and I'm like, oh my god, these people are like so much older. But I was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna win a Golden Globe or an Oscar one day. I just knew, like, I love the sophistication, 
the clout, the the idea of creativity, but it wasn't it wasn't that I needed to obtain an Oscar and one day I was going to get it. But I just had a deep connection with uh, the music awards that we always watch, the um, the film awards that we always watched. Um, but I really always really admired uh, Reese Witherspoon, and I always really admired Meryl Streep, and I love their work ethic. And they they were about the craft. It wasn't like the other stuff, but they were like my core go-to people. Um, in terms of fashion, um, I've always, be, I've always loved colors and I was, I was like a no label person. Like, you know, along my journey, I've won, I've worn beautiful designers, but when I was younger, I wasn't into anything that said like, you know, all the kids wearing polo or Amber Crombie and Finch or like any Tommy Hilfiger, even though I love Tommy, but I wasn't like in, and I love Ralph Lauren, but I wasn't into like wearing anything that like blasted that on it. I mm-hmm. would always get cool clothes from like incognito and Royal Oak. I don't know if it's still there in Michigan, but when I was a kid, I would go there because everything was like, I loved hot topic because of all the colors and the energy. And I felt like wearing clothes was like a, a dope expression of my vibe and like who I was as a person, but without having the labels, um, but I always was really called to Chanel and, and I know Chanel, she started with hats. Um, and I know she has this, the sophistication and, um, pearls and first, and I'm even wearing pearls right now, but, um, <laughs> she, I just, I, I've always loved pearls for some reason, mother of pearl pearls. Um, and so I had this like attachment to colors and fashion. And I was so grateful because, um, not only as a child, as a teenager, I when I was invited to New York Fashion Week. I've been going to New York Fashion Week since I was a teenager. Um, but when I was in um, high school, they had career decision making class, and um, I would leave my high school for um, you know for two hours after lunch and go to this um, career class um, outside of uh, the high school. And and my sister took a fashion class, and I took this fashion class. So this is where I learned so much about fashion, cut designers, and I learned so much about um, collage because I would cut out all these collages and I actually kept all those collages from when I was in school. And then I took it years later, a decade later, and applied them onto canvases three-dimensionally, collage art. I do pop, I do two different styles of art and one is called um, pop culture collage art and these, these story collages with all these colors that are bright and everything um, mm-hmm. or dark. And um, it's so cool because I didn't know them, but you look now and it's like when Natalie Portman was on the cover of like this amazing magazine or Mariah, but it was like from over a decade ago, but I have these magazines that are so sacred with someone else would throw away. But I, I felt the value and, and the importance of the sentimentalness of keeping that and and then and then applying it later on, but I didn't know that was going to happen. Wow, yeah, I, I I neglected. I don't think I mentioned this in your intro, but you were also a model. Uh, so your your affinity to Fashion Week and fashion and design and having an eye for that—that's one of the things we partially have in common. I used to be a model, but the eye for all that stuff—I left that to somebody else. I needed somebody mm-hmm. like you in my corner back then. Totally. Definitely. I, I, I would have been there to support you. It's who you I know? am yeah. with that smile. I mean, I've definitely seen you in all the press commercials. <laughs> you were like their contracted model, right? Uh, yeah, I was for a while. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a lot of people know that because they can't see the thing about it is I I'm a military brat. My dad mm. was, in the, my dad was in the air force. So it's very structured. Everything has its place. Everything has its time. Why rebelled? I, I'm like, I need the freedom to be able to do me. And the military doesn't allow for that. And I'm also a vet. I spent eight years in the Air Force as well. So when I got into the entertainment industry, it was like a big relief to me to finally be able to exercise the creative side of my brain. And you know this firsthand. The people who work in the entertainment industry are some of the most creative, amazing people I have ever run across in my life. And I'm not just saying that because I want a job from somebody. I don't really do that. But they are. I mean, just like when I write screenplays, just to hear the input from other people. Try this. Do this. Go here. Go there with your character. Awesome experience. And I think you've probably had some of the same things. Oh, completely. Definitely. I mean, so so many of those opportunities. And actually, 
um, working as a model, um, a lot of photographers, they particularly like working with me because I am an artist and I am an actor because they said a lot of times if you're just a model, it's just like deer in the headlights or they're just like posing. Yeah. <laughs> but when I put on an outfit, I embody that character and I'm moving more of like an artist, like a dancer. And I become the character and as I move around and I think, you know, my modeling career has evolved to not only me being a model, but being a role model and utilizing my voice, my instrument through voiceovers, through music, through women empowerment, through, um, you know, social justice and uh, being an, a, a voice. Um, because, you know, I've definitely been in situations where it's like, you know, where they, it's called media training, where they teach you media training before you go on Letterman, before you go out to do a press junket there's like media training of what to say, not to say. And I understand if you're like Warner brothers, you're on a contract, you have to know the boundaries of what to say, what not to say, you know, but as an independent artist, um, not in contract with, you know, a series or whatever right now, uh, I definitely have free will to speak, but I'm very mindful of, um, you know, being a part of the ripple effect and what I share with others. I like to empower and embrace and not to cut or condescend or put anyone down. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, modeling is a very psychological thing. And it's been with all the brands I've worked for, considering, you know, I'm 5'5". Five five, so um, the model that I needed and wanted to be with my ego was just a runway model. And I have like the face, obviously, for it. Um, but, you know, it's not about actual the model. It's actually about uh, the clothes. And it's about the cut of the clothes and the way that designers cut and tailor and make the sample sizes, it's made at a length where it, they need to show off the beautiful design. So that's why the models need to be a certain height. That's why lifestyle mile. There's so many times kinds of modeling. Now they have plus size modeling. There's parts modeling. There's always been like that Hawaiian tropic, like, or Miami, like swimsuit lingerie, like that kind of modeling. And then there's lifestyle, which is commercial campaign. A lot of times they'll do like a commercial, like a video commercial, but sometimes like when I did Doritos one time, they're like, oh, okay, like we're hiring you for the commercial, but we're shooting stills too. And it's going to be a print job too. So it's like a lot of, and that's where all the big money is in the camp is the commercial modeling is the, is actually where the money is. So I was being so hard on myself, but actually, you know, you want to make money, but also sometimes it's not all about the money. I love the fashion. And so like I could, then I had to like, you know, stroke my ego and talk to myself and be upset and, you know, ask God why it's like, you gave me everything, but the, like just three more inches or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But everyone has their stuff to work out. But, um, as an actor, you know, being on a red carpet, all the actors are sitting front row at the fashion show. So I'd be, you know, there's tons of photos of me online in all these designer clothes sitting front row with paparazzi taking photos of me at fashion week. And I could go to um, red carpet events as an actor wearing all the brands. And a lot of the actors are like the muses for designers. Not that I'm, I was ever like Carl Lagerfeld's muse or whatever and mm -hmm. spiritual because he's, you know, rest in peace. But um, yeah, you know, those are some fun, fun little stories, but yeah. Uh, modeling has, is awesome. And, um, lastly, I was doing a lot of parts modeling. So, uh, fun facts. Um, I've been, um, the hair model for, uh, Jennifer Lopez, Natalie Portman for Lux LUX. It's, it's like, it's like the Pantene Pro V in, in Japan major. So I like my hair, um, hands, feet, legs for Ariana Grande, hands, feet, legs for Jennifer Aniston, um, uh, hands for Rita Ora, like anyone you can think about, like, I, I have like the, um, the olive tone skin of hand, my legs. So it's like, I'm doing all these parts modeling jobs, like Sephora. If you look at all the beauty brands, when you see just an eye or just, I have that pouty lip or yeah. just the lip. So it's like, they've got, so I've, and the cool thing about parts modeling, like you're in and out in 15 minutes, like you do your shot and you're done. I've worked with like all the best, like all the biggest, uh, photographers you can think about. Um, that, that, and then brands that you can think about as a parts model and you're in and you're out and you make so like such good money, especially in the commercials. Like if I'm just holding like a Big Mac or a drink or whatever, like whatever the product is and you just see the hand, like those are my hands and you get, you get booked directly. So you don't even have to go in for the audition. You just, you get booked directly. And I was like so hot working nonstop for so many years as a parts model and, you know, yeah, it sometimes, you know, I was embarrassed or insecure, or it bruised my ego, but I would just take the money and run. But it's weird because not only as a model uh, and I do voiceovers, it's like 
my my voice is my instrument and so it's like all these parts you know what i mean but yeah but the face is only seen for like a commercial or like on-screen tv so it's been it's been a wild ride all over the place in the entertainment industry for sure <laughs> yeah before we dig deeper into your career i want to get this in before we go much deeper into in, into your other disciplines um your name k y r I A K I. I wanted, yes, I wanted to get this thing because I wanted my I wanted my co-host to know that I can pronounce that name. Cool. Well, let's hear it. And I'm hoping I get it right. Okay. Is it is is it Kiriaki? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Oh, I got it, Michael. I wanted to get that. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> I I Two I fingers are two fingers of rum just for you. <laughs> no, you no. <laughs> yeah, you hear <laughs> No, you can take it away. I'm okay. happy. I'm happy. Take it away. All right. Okay. So let me tell you what it means. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I know it's Greek, right? Yeah. So in the okay. Greek tradition, we're named after saints and goddesses. I'm named after the saint, Saint Kyriaki. She's was a very prominent saint. It's a very rare name. Actually, the prime minister of Greece, Kyriakos, the male version of Kyriaki. The prime minister is Kiriakos, and I'm yeah. Kiriaki. I'm I'm named after my father's mother, who's 91, my best friend in the whole entire world. And um, Kiriak, so that's why I'm named after my yaya, my grandmother. Yeah. She's 91. Kiriaki. Um, not only is she a saint, it means um, God's day. So, oh, ah, so, nice. so if you're listening to this podcast, Simera ine Kiriaki. If you're listening today is Sunday, but if you're not listening on a Sunday. Wow. Wow. I'm impressed. The I, only thing the only thing about that, I can't roll my tongue like you just did pronouncing it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Dave. Tell <laughs> <laughs> you li- 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 living in Spain and having a Spanish girlfriend helps you do that. Um Ooh, la, 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 la. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna circle back to something Dave asked you at the beginning. Do you remember the first professional TV show you got? Mm-hmm, 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 what, mm-hmm. what was it? Uh, the I, Okay, now I have a question for you. Okay. The, the very first time I was on professional network TV, I was featured and I didn't have a speaking line or my very first time having a professional um, network credit and I did have a, a principal part. Hmm. Or both, or both. <laughs> Let's deal with the principal part one because I too have had some of those with the non-speaking parts, which kind of sucks when it comes to getting residual checks. But uh, the speaking parts, that's where the dough is. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, CSI New York uh, with Gary Sinise, and he gave me the best compliment of my whole entire career to set me off in the whole in the fir- in my in the direction of my life. He in between takes, he says, "You're a very soulful actor." Wow. Yeah. I actually, uh, I actually saw, I was, I think, I, I don't know if I was on I, uh, I, IMDB or something, just like right before this podcast started, there's a scene of you two acting together. I mm-hmm. think it's on IMDB where I saw that. That was actually a good mm. scene, by the way. Yeah, uh, well, I think it's in my reel and maybe my reel's on there. Oh, maybe um, that's where I saw it. I know I saw it somewhere, but I did see a scene with you and Gary. Yeah, we, we had a lot of scenes together. Uh, I think all my scenes were with him, but... He's great. He was so sweet. What a what a great project. It was it was amazing. How comfortable were you when you first got on the set? Well, um, totally cool. Totally cool. I have a great story. Um, uh, the the lead um, is Greek, and she had her husband there with two kids because it was a circus act, and they had elephants on set. So you know, her the, she had her husband come to, and the kids to see the elephants, and and she's Greek, and I'm Greek, and. And it was um, Romeo and Juliet, and I'm a poet. So it was really beautiful to be like playing Juliet. Um, I um, I played a Hispanic girl, actually. But the storyline were these contortionists, and they had a forbidden love, and they were going around with this the circus Soleil circus act. And um, so Juliet was the role, and it was just beautiful. And um, my, my brothers, um, who were in uh, the project with me, who played, um, you know, Ryan Carell, actually. His father is the famous director, Richard Carell, who directed, he was best friends with Hugh Hefner. He had all those, Hugh Hefner, his, his, the best Halloween party was the Halloween one. And he and uh, Richard Carell was the one who actually like owned all those things and he took them 
and he had them shipped over so Hugh could borrow them for the mansion party every year. Richard Carell, he he directed all full houses, Zach and Cody, like all the all the amazing um, 80s uh, sitcoms we all watched. That was Richard Carell. So um, his son, Ryan Carell, played my brother and he didn't have a speaking line, but we became friends. And what we were talking about before we started recording, he said to me, he's living in Hancock Park. His dad's Richard Carell. His best friend is Max Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's first son. And he's asking me, how do you do what you do? And asking me, like, how are you doing what you're I'm like, I am from Detroit, Michigan. I knew one person. I did what I did. But you are born in Hollywood. You, your dad is Richard Corral. Like you're in Hollywood. Like, how are you asking me how I'm doing what I'm doing? But that was kind of a gem. And, and fast forwarding, that's what happened in podcasting too. The same energy when, when I, I was doing my podcast and I'm in doing my podcast, people, what people come to me and say to me is that same synergy and energy from 2005 when I, when I, when, when Ryan Corral said that to me about, about, about how do you, how, how did you do that? How do you, what are you doing? And he was, and I'm like, yo, he was coming to me about that. So yeah. Yeah. You have had supporting roles with legends like uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and you can, you can come down the list, Morgan Freeman, Antonia Banderas, Nicolas Cage. What did you, how has that experience been for you? Mm. Well, as Gary Sinise said, it's a beautiful question, by the way. Thank you. Uh, as Gary Sinise said to me that I shared that I'm a very soulful actor, I feel it was a moment in time, an exchange in energy, and through their choices on their journeys, us crossing paths and sharing energetic moments and connections that are on screen that will live on. I feel like it was a moment in time and our souls collided and met and shared that. And we connected for millions of people to see multiple times over and over. So it's just really, really precious. And when I contemplate and reflect as we are now, because most of the time, honestly, we're always on the go on to the next that I haven't sat and reflected on those things because I'm already going to the next thing. But being able to kind of be removed from some of it and uh, some people will say to me, oh my God, or oh my God. And I'm I'm just like, oh yeah, I was like having lunch. It's like yesterday's news. But it's like, no, I need to understand that value and and that worthiness and to make sure I'm acknowledging myself and accrediting myself, not for my ego, but to validate, like I am a human being and I'm on these steps. And yes, it's a bigger thing other than me, but I'm a part of it. I am the vessel and it's a duty and a responsibility to, um, encapsule that and hone it into a way where it's a sacred thing, not to package it, but to present it in a way where like, I have this, I don't want to say maybe, or it's like a clout kind of thing, not for the ego, but in a way to kind of boutique like um, be able to enhance my life to enhance others' lives even more as well. Sometimes we forget, you know, um, some something that's been gifted to us. So it's really, really sacred and special. And since that's my life goal and, and purpose, it's a natural thing for me. But also, like I said, to take time out to appreciate that 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 is a really beautiful gift that's been given to me. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to you have to take time to enjoy the fruits of your labor and then pass it on to somebody else. And if you don't take the time to enjoy the fruits of your labor, nobody else will. And that goes a long way to you know, your self-esteem, what you think of yourself, uh, recognizing that not a lot of people. I mean, there's I know when I joined SAG back in the 90s, there was already 100,000 people in SAG and 99 percent of them never got a job. Right. Um, you know, so the fact that you've been blessed with this journey and you've been given a, a, a footprint into the business, and not just this business, modeling is a hard business to get into. Uh, what we're going to talk about in a minute with your music is hard to get into. Everything that you've done are industries that are extremely difficult to show up in. 
and mm-hmm. get the job in the first place. So the fact that you've had the success, you need to take a moment to yourself and enjoy it because, mm-hmm. right. you know, That's it, true. It, it feeds the soul. It gets you mm-hmm. moving again. Mm-hmm. So Two things. That, yeah. Two things. One, um, don't quote me on this, but I, when I, the last time I looked, this was pre-pandemic, out of everyone in SAG, and there's only a couple hundred thousand people, there's not a lot of people in the union, but out of all the hundreds of thousands of people, I think it's under 300,000, the people who are in the union, only 15% of them um, make more than um, $15,000 per year. Right. To wow. get the to get the the level one insurance, yep. Like that's a huge difference. Yeah, it like t- people are struggling in the union. Yeah, they are. It took me years to get to the level one insurance. I I, I always still Dave's heard me say this before. I went on 119 auditions before I booked my first job. Yep, that's then I, it. Then I booked yep. three in one day. Yep, that's how it happens. <laughs> yep. That's how it happens. Yeah, yeah, and for I, sure. And, and yeah. I always I always kept that little tab. Okay, audition Matt. Nah, nah. And so, and the thing that's hard to do when you go on auditions and people are turning you down, they're not, probably 90% of the cases, they're not turning you personally down. Yes. It's just maybe you're not right for the part. Yeah. Or keep in mind, it's a subjective business. So you've got a director who's got one vision in his head. You've got a producer who's got another vision in their head. So as somebody who sat on both sides of, those, uh, of the table, I, I remember I did this uh, commercial that I was a producer of for kids. There was a young boy about 10 or 12 years old. He came in and gave me the best impression of Frank Sinatra I have ever heard, including from an adult. He was awesome. He was just wrong for Mm. what we were trying to do. Man, I I tried to reach out to that kid's mother after the fact, and and she she was very gracious with me. And I said, if I ever find something for your son, you can count on me to get him there. So Mm -hmm. he was great. But mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on a couple other things for you. Um, you're also a producer. Let's put the performing part of it aside for just a split second. Sure. I believe you have a YouTube comedy series called Couples Therapy. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Tell, us, tell us how you came up with that. Sure. Uh, during the lockdown, um, you know, I've produced, uh, I've produced and directed uh, through the union. And there's the administrative work. There's the paperwork. There's the jumping of the hoops for to email to get the signatures, time in, time out, scheduling um, for them to email you back, take some weeks. The During the pandemic, half the people were unemployed at the union. They like had to unemploy some people. Um, things were slowing down in government. Everything was a lot slower. And for me, I, I'm a creator, so I wanted to double down, triple down and create. And I found a loophole that I, I, I called the union. I'm like, how can Ashton Kutcher be a union actor and do punked and it's a reality, but it's union. And they're like, oh, because he's a union actor and he's doing punked as his own name, not scripted, not as another name, as his own name to promote his personality to be booked on union projects. So I knew that from years ago. So because of the pandemic and the admin and not... I, I wanted to not, I wanted to go do a target. I didn't want to wait on anyone. I didn't want anyone to get in the way of my creative vision. So I came up with the idea to shoot a comedy improv series on Zoom with my music partner and my uh, producing partner, uh, Alessandra Levy, who's a voiceover star, and Nikki Scorpio, who's my partner in The Sophisticated Cycles, our production company for the music and the, the TV, because he does he does the editing, the music, he does editing of the, the coloring and the editing of the, the content. So um, he and I, um, we did couples therapy lockdown series. And we're talking about, you know, um, you know, shamans and and meditating and neuro tra- and scientists and our thoughts and our patterns and our triggers and like being cooped up in a place and not not and being in, you know, the lockdown series. So we created season one, two and three. We already shot them all. Season one and two are on the Sophisticated Psychos uh, streaming platform. Season three isn't out yet. We're already, we already know what we're doing for season four and five. Um, and then with that happening, um, I was sitting, 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 and I'm like, okay. And I came together with Alessandra and Nikki. I'm like, listen, we have this cool thing and, and that what we came up with, and it's improv, right? So that's why I'm Katie in it. And I directed it. And I'm like, we need to take this because everything is energy. So you can be like putting all of this out, 
But if you're putting all this out and it's not reciprocal, the energy is just going into a direction, into like a dead wall. So I'm like, what, what can I do without marketing and, you know, spending all this money on marketing and all that social media stuff that's just so over my head. I'm like, I need to take this. And I talked to my friends in the industry, seven people, one, uh, one's a director, two uh, was a former director of the film festival circuit. I got a list of all the best comedy film festivals. They're like, stay one, stay away. There's thousands, stay away from first year, stay away from first year, make sure they're like three, four years in, um, check out their social medias. And, and I had the list of the go-to ones, early bird specials. So I decided through film freeway to put everything on, to pick, to pick one of the ones from season one and put, and, uh, put it on the film freeway. We submitted to over, uh, we had, uh, we did that. We, they have a marketing thing. If you're a gold member, get the gold member. And for $10, you can do, it's a one day email blast. We got over 200 invitations. We accepted. Thank you. We accepted about 35 of them. Uh, we're in comp. We've been, um, we've gotten so far in competition, official selection for about 10 or 11 of them. Uh, last week, um, I won best director, the best director award. Congratulations. Th- yeah. Th- thank you. And then our web series also, uh, won best web series at two film festivals, um, so far. So, so now the energy of the creation is on the train tracks of people who are in film industry. So people who enjoy new content, the the viewers, the people who want to see something wacky, cool web series, people who are directors, producers. Now they see my name in the industry as a producer, my resume, who I am. And so I'm building. And then through all of that, I was I was actually invited by a friend who has a film festival in France and he asked me to be on the board. So now I'm on a board of a film festival, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and so cool because you get to evaluate other people's projects and see the creativity. And there's that there's a lesson in that that is so invaluable. You, you can't do any better than what you've done with this. Yeah. Thank you. And 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 you know, I'm so grateful because I remember before I had Red Egg, a short film, and because and I had someone proof the the text for me and I put it into film festivals, but because my message kind of wasn't clear and I didn't have the emotional support like I do with Alessandra Levy and Nikki Scorpio, really having a team. So they, you know, it wasn't just me because I spent thousands of dollars before, but it was them and they, they invested with me. So it was like, it was one third, one third, one third, instead of doing it myself and feeling all the pressure to do it alone. Cause I've done it before. That's really also an invaluable lesson too, to have a partnership with someone. So you don't feel like you're doing everything in the whole load because that can be a lot. And so that's why I can do what I do. And a lot of what I do, because I ask other people for help instead of doing it all by myself. Right. Right. And they're only 24 hours in a day. I mean, how many things can you do successfully? Well, wait wait a a minute. She She doesn't sleep. I thought there were 72 hours in a day. Wait, what, what, are, what planet are we on right now? I know, I know, I know. Let me see. Which planet is the one that's faster than us? Venus. Yeah, yeah, you get your... No, no, Venus is shorter. Mars is the one that has it longer days. <laughs> Mars is the party planet. It's where I'm from. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So one more time, tell us where we can find your uh, uh, couples therapy. It's on YouTube where? Oh, The Sophisticated Psychos. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. on all social media, uh, streaming platforms for music, and also um, the video, music videos, and video content. The right. sophisticated psychos. Yeah, I, I also saw uh, somewhere. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, trigger flaws. Yes, yes, and um, no, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I actually just want you to tell us about it and and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So I love trigger flaws. Trigger flaws is really awesome, and we could circle back around with trigger flaws. Um, it was through the union scripted, uh, web series, the pilot, and then the second episode, um, I gave five non-union actors an opportunity to be union with the new media contract. So I felt really proud to nice. uh, support my fellow thespians. Um, that was really impactful. Um, and then, uh, the only, the only, um, I don't want to say the only mistake there, but a lesson I learned from that was, um, because the the in the pilot, the very first scene, um, 
it was so windy. We didn't have a proper uh, boom mic. So I learned my lesson from that and also um, making sure to have that as a priority because, you know, as a producer, I'm a, I'm a part of everything, like with the tech, the camera, the visuals. So I should have like listened to it to a playback because then I could have like switched it up to change so the wind wasn't blowing. So that's just like a minor thing. But yeah, um, yeah it's really cool because Trigger Flaws is, I created Trigger Flaws because at that point in my life, two years prior, I was um, dis- deciding as a scientist to go on to a journey of being aware of what triggers me and letting out my uh, jealousy and letting out my emotion or letting out my jealousy and letting out my anger that I kept hidden that was inside that other people probably could see, but I like hid it from my own self. Like I, I was in denial. So I went on this exploration of letting out my jealousy, letting out my anger. And then by doing that, being aware of what triggered me. And so, and then, and then a lot of times comedy, stand up comedians and comedy, it comes from some actual truth about life or people's experiences. So instead of like living in the torture of the things that were triggering me, I decided to put them into um, comedy into art. I take everything and I just put it into art, the good, bad, and ugly. And also um, Trigger Flaws, my very, very favorite show was Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, where she could go like that, like put her finger together and freeze everything. So I had four girls, me and three other girls to empower um, two elderly ladies. And then me and my girlfriend were the younger girls to have to, so it could hit the, like the, you know, generations for thirties, forties, but then also get like, you know, the twenties, you know, the younger generation too. And, um, to empower these females as my friends. And we all had the special powers where we could hear what each other's thinking. And there would be a whistle. We all had our own unique when we were like doing something magical and we're like, Hey, who did that? And I don't know if it, um, was able to cross over for the audience to see that. Um, but that's an exploration of, of tuning into that and people can see trigger flaws and leave comments and let me know what you think. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we should bring it back, you know? Uh, but lastly, it, it, um, it, we have my shaman, shaman, Harry Paul, and I'm studying the Enneagram and it's everyone take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath and let's, 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 let's know our Enneagrams. Cause we all have our numbers and, you know, like spiritual evolved you know, yoga kind of stuff and coming up with ideas. So that's kind of what trigger flaws is all about. Cool concept. Cool concept. I like it. Thank you. How has your global travel affected your outlook on life? It's everything. It's everything. I honestly, I am so much more freer when I'm not in LA and New York, I'm a different person. I'm so different. I'm like, I'm like a whole different person. Like the armor comes down, the shackles come down, everything comes off. I'm just like a whole different being. I'm just so much more freer. I feel, um, I really experience, uh, culture and communication and, and, um, and just always knowing that when I feel stuck, I can viscerally go and know I can literally just get a plane ticket and just go anywhere or get into a car and go anywhere or go outside and walk anywhere and meet anyone in a safe environment and get to another place and just get out. If, if I'm truly miserable and unhappy and even though we stay and they're like, Oh, I don't have money. And there's all these excuses. It doesn't matter. If you just get outside of yourself People around the world want to help. They're so nice. There's so many people traveling and they don't have a lot of money. A lot of people are travelers and they get by and there's deals and like there's so many deals and, and, and it's just, it, you make it happen and it's a part of the journey to make it happen. And, and it's, it's never, you're never, you're not, even if you feel stuck, it's, it's you thinking you're stuck and you're making that your truth. But the truth is, there's always a way not to be stuck. And if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely 1000% have privilege. Very often we think that money is everything in life and you travel so much and you see that people have very little 
and they're extremely happy. Yep. They're extremely happy. It teaches you what's important in life. Yep. And 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 um, even though I always say, if someone's hungry, there's no way that you can convince that person that money is not going to make them happy. But then you give them money. They've got food. And all of a sudden, there's still something missing. This is something missing there. So even though we all value money, money is extremely important to us. It affords, it affords us a lot of stuff in life, but there's much more to happiness than just money alone. Okay. So I love what you're saying. And a couple of things. One um, that comes to mind when you say happy, Nikki Scorpio, a couple of years ago, told me about um, the documentary called Happy. And it's like this place in India and the dad works every single day and the kids are so joyous and they have like, you know, like little to no food, but it's the community. It's the community that makes them happy, not the money. And what I've learned, because I've been, you know, I, I spent um, 2007 and two, 2006 and 2007 on a private jet for a year and a half every single week. I was on a private jet traveling the world every single week for a year and a half, living right. on 60 acres in a $45 million mansion chateau with three live-in maids and a butler. Um, and I don't know what the rates are now, but what I was told back then was for an hour of fuel is $10,000. So we were flying you know, to Paris, seven hours, Bermuda, Dominican Republic. India. I took a trip around the world. I left 2006 and came back in 2007 and took a trip around the world uh, on on a G5. It was a G4 or G5, just four of us. Um, and I took a trip around the world. So I've been around um, not only that money, I've been around a lot more different monies as well. Um, the things I've seen girls do for money. If you watch the Epstein documentary, it's disgusting. Um, that was really difficult for me to see that. Um, you know, my ego and where it goes to and what I strive for. But honestly, like, you know, years ago, um, I was with my ex-partner and we were at this um, event and we donated $500 for to build a well for, uh, you know, a, a community in Sudan. Like, Su Sudan? Mm -hmm. or Sudan? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So that was... Those are the things I want to do. I don't need a $30,000 Hermes bag. Right. I'd rather feed communities and support and not just give money. There was this one lady, at, Russell Simmons had a yoga studio. I think it closed down a few years ago before his whole thing came out and he, went, he took off to Bali. But um, there was this woman, I, I forget what it was, but it was like, you donate $5 a month to sustain these women and children Instead of just like giving them a one-off, it's like kind of like teach the person to fish um, and then they right. can do it forever. So it was like, it was like donating $5 a month consistently to support these people instead of just giving a one-off donation, right. more sustainable. I'm kind of into those things. And maybe that comes from my Greek roots stuff we talked about in the psychology of um, what I do as an individual affects the whole and being a part of a community um, to support and, you know, help others. But um, yeah, I mean, I love, I, I love the four seasons and I love beautiful things, but what I really have learned because when I was a kid, I was only going to like, you know, I was so upset, um, about money frustrations. And I, I said, I will never, when I have my children, God willing, one day we will never discuss money at a dinner table. I would never right. want to see family communing, having a meal together talking about money. And I just, that was like something I've always held accountable for myself. I don't have a family or children yet. God willing, I will. But where I'm going with this is um, through my journey, when I was younger, I'm like, I'm marrying a multi-billionaire because I need the best doctors, lawyers, power, status, clout, uh, travels, education, education, education for, for myself, for my kids, that I'll have my golden ticket. I'll have, and then he'll have, and the male will have his golden ticket and uh, another golden ticket. For me, so I'll have two golden tickets for me because I I, ha I produce the children, but he he comes with two golden tickets, and that was kind of my theology on it. However, mm -hmm. this was before Google. This was before I went out into the world, and now I have access to all of the best neuroscientists, as we all do through podcasting and YouTubing. 
um, all the best doctors, the research, everything that's available. I don't need to marry a multi-billionaire to know the best doctors, the best institutes, the best facilities, because we're not in the 1950s. We're all connected now. Like we can, I have all the best attorney, lawyer, friends, all those people who I have befriended in my community. They were anchors and they were anchors of things I wanted to obtain to have in my universe. And I obtained them as friendships, as mentors. I don't need to marry into that because I have them as friends. Now I can just call anyone anywhere around the world when something's happening, not only for myself, but for another. But what I really also realized was dismantling, needing the false security and safety of all this money for a multi-billionaire. Because what happens is I can have a beautiful bungalow and a beautiful home, but I can still be invited to the yachts. I don't need to own the yacht. I can still go to the Four Seasons and enjoy a meal. I can still go to the five-star luxury places and the beautiful spas and have a career and spend, you know, quality, my quality, hard-earned, valuable money on beautiful things. Um, I don't need to own the yacht and own five homes. Like that's, I think, I think it's disgusting. I've become actually more of a minimalist I don't need 10,000 designer dresses and shoes. Like I can call a fashion house and a PR company can loan me clothes to wear it on a red carpet. And sometimes they gift it to you. And sometimes you, you send it back. Like I don't need to have it. I used to have a lot of stuff and I gave it to my siblings. I just gave it to my sisters. I don't need to actually hold on because lastly about this, when you hold and hoard all these things, you leave no room on the canvas and it's energetic. Everything's an energy. Like if I don't wear something for like, one year, I feel it, I hold it. If it's not sentimental and sacred, I get rid of it. I get rid of it. The most sentimental thing in my life has been going to Italy, going to places and getting a $10 t-shirt because I had the sensorial memory of going to that place. Not because I, I have like a $30,000 Louis V chest sitting over here, you know, like that's not going to get me off and I'm not taking that with me. Right. right? With Alzheimer's, I might not even be taking my memories with me. <laughs> Very true. As somebody who knows that firsthand. <laughs> um, we're going to get you out of here on this. And this is kind of going back to where this all began. I mentioned at the top of the show that your podcast, She's All Over the Place. I took a quick glance. I listened to a couple of them, but I also took a quick glance at some of the subject matter. And I think your your name is very appropriate. You cover everything. Nothing is off limit. A lot of it has absolutely nothing to do with entertainment, has nothing to do with spiritual connection. Some of them are just issues of the day that your podcast covers. I think that is wonderful because what it shows me is it shows me how well-rounded you are. Wow. Thank you. Oh, my yeah. God. So what I, what the, the 60 second promo clip for social media, I'm just, let's definitely use that part. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it. You got a deal. <laughs> but I also want to say, listen, it's Friday. We're going into a holiday weekend. Let's not end this. Let's just keep going for a few more hours. I, I'm cool. We can just order a pizza and just chill and keep talking. Pizza. That's I need some weird. rum. Dave, you got any rum at your house? <laughs> Oh, yes, I've got. Oh, man, you, you don't want me to bring that up now. Okay, can I drink <laughs> yes. it vicariously through the Internet? <laughs> no, let's let's order some rum and some pineapple pizza. <laughs> there you go. You got it, Katie. You got it. Pineapple pizza spoken like somebody from Hawaii. This show has accomplished what we set out to do. Um, Almost all of our guests, when we, when we say the show is going to be about 45 minutes to 60 minutes, by the time it's finished, you know what they say? We had so much fun. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like an hour has passed. And I'm feeling the same way on this show because you, you're sharing so much information, a wealth of valuable information. That we, I, I certainly believe that we've only covered maybe about half of what we wanted to talk to you to, to talk to you about. So you know what that means? That means that you're booked for another show. Love to. That would be great. <laughs> oh my! It would be my honor. Thumb, thumbs up. Um, I would be honored. That'd be amazing. I would love to for sure. I mean, it's so apropos, like your podcast and like what I'm about. It's it's just it co it, it, it like just it's in sync. You know, it, it fits us. Yeah. 
it's a good fit. And, you know, we could talk about so many different things, not only traveling, but, you know, stuff in entertainment. And it's so important for, especially for people who want, and so many people want to know about entertainment stuff. And it's, it's so fun, like listening to some of your stories and just like, oh yeah, like I totally like didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's how far we've come. And then you sharing some things, it's like, whoa, that was like before my time, you know? Oh yeah. I, I've got some, I've got the good, the bad and the ugly about it, but overall, uh, it was all good. I mean, you know, yeah. you had mentioned something before that if you don't have the lows, you can't celebrate the highs. That is extremely important in this business. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the reason why I wanted to touch on the personal with you when I asked you about mental health and morals and values and, mm. you know, and, and choices. Because very often we never get the personal side of other folks. And that's important. Oh, I mean, important. oh, yeah, we could talk more about that seriously. And and I know firsthand with ethics, morals and values and why I personally as an advocate and that's why Nikki Scorpio is my partner, because he's like the male version of me where we stand <laughs> for what we stand for. But because of his ethics, morals and values, that's how we have such a great connection for almost a decade now because of that reason. And we we choose to be the voices and to speak up for that, even when it's difficult to, even when it's so hard to, because I mean, I wanted to contact like Pharrell, like I was doing a run like a week ago and, um, and he did a song with Kelvin Harris and Katy Perry, actually. I didn't even know she was on it until a week later, I was listening to again with my niece because we were, um, painting together and the song came back on. And when a week before, when you know, we share a Spotify I like to listen to her Spotify so I can see what a 13 year old mind's thinking about. And it's a cool beat. It's cool with Kelvin Harris and like Pharrell's on it. And the female, I didn't know it was Katy Perry till a week later, but that's not the point. The point is the stuff he was talking about. I'm like, everyone looks at Pharrell. Like he's like an alien, like he's an alien or he's so cool and so chill, but it's like, why are you talking about these things? Like, like, like no one wants to hear those things. Like we're in the 21st century. Like, like, let's like shift the conversation and make popular music about other things and forget the feeling song. It's called feeling or whatever vibes or feeling or whatever. Forget that. Just like, like songs that people are talking about. Cause it's cool. Like, like it's not coming to my head right now, but it's like, like, are we in the eighties? Like who wants <laughs> to hear that music? Like, what are you doing? Like my friend major, he wrote like uh, Justin Bieber's last, um, his tour purpose tour major. He's from Detroit. He's awesome. He puts healing frequencies in his music. He's from Detroit. He's so cool. And the stuff he's talking about in music and the things he's doing in pop culture, it's like really cool. Um, you know, that's cool. And so more people are starting to do it and stuff. And we're on the forefront. We're the leaders of it, but it's like, why it's like you are who you are and like why are you talking about oh it feels so good to go cheat on you and it feels so good that i'm such a bad girl because you know you want me more than like your girlfriend it's like how degrading <laughs> 13 year olds are listening is. to this and they're gonna go- come into the society as 20s and 30s and bring that in it's like let's clear that crap like let's yeah. clear it even more come I, on I- I can have a whole conversation about that, but I'm going to save that for the next podcast because you've hit on a pet peeve of mine. And if I start now, I will never shut up. Yeah. So uh, on this note, I am going to shut up <laughs> just, just because I want to save it for next time. Yeah. One thing, uh, the, the, the podcast, the, the, the question you brought up, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know if I answered that you, the last question about the podcast, I don't know if, you know, no, that was meant more as a compliment than anything else. Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, it wasn't a question. It was a compliment. Yeah, it was more of a compliment because oh. I, I, I like the idea. One of the things, and, and I'll wrap on this, one of the things that we sometimes don't, that we don't, we take for granted from artists unless they're politically motivated, like they're speaking out about what's going on around the world, is we only think that they're just artists. We don't hmm. stop to think. We're human they, beings. Yeah, human we beings came from well. some. We came from someplace. We have issues we grew up with in childhood that sometimes carry into adulthood. You know, uh, um, I'm more than my music. I'm more than my acting. I'm more than my modeling. And I think a lot of times uh, 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 entertainers get sold short because everybody just wants to stick them in that box and don't let them speak their piece or speak their truth. And this is where the questions that Dave was asking you in particular is that you spoke your truth. 
And that is what people gravitate to. All this frou-frou made up stuff about, you know, feelings and stuff. You know, unless they're your true feelings, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I, I'd mm-hmm. rather hear your truth. It was yeah. something that my, um, I mean, Mike's wife used to produce for Oprah. And it was one of the things that always made Oprah work was that she, Oprah. Spo- was that she spoke her truth. Whether you mm-hmm. liked it or not, she spoke yeah. the truth and that endeared yeah. people to her. So mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. that note, I'm going to get off my soliloquy and, and let you go home. Um, but um, we have had a great time with you. And uh, you can learn more about Katie. Just everything's on her website, chanakas.com. That's C-H-O-N-A-C-A-S.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just followed her on Instagram as well. She's on Facebook. Her YouTube channels are fantastic. So please go find out more you can about Katie. And we promise you, Katie, we will have you back. Oh, thank you. It'd be an honor, gentlemen. Thank you so much. It's been a quite delight. I'm thank serious. You. Thank you thank so you. much. Well, yeah. thank you so much. And this is Michael Gordon Bennett for my dear friend, Dave Cumberbatch saying uh, so long. And we will see you on another episode, or I guess they should say another podcast of TripCast360.com.